Red Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. And welcome back to the October 26th edition of the Midweek Update here on the Owl Chat Podcast. It is our last midweek update of the month of October, and we've got a lot to get to you this week. We finally have football to talk about for the first time in three weeks, um, and we've got some interesting uh, interviews coming your way. I am joined in studio, as always, by my co-host and partner, Mr. John Finer, and producer Nick is back in the building this week. John, how's your week been? Man, I can't complain. Um, I'm excited to talk some Football finally got to hear the luscious tones of Brian Bohannon once again, um, but everything is going well. How about you, Nick? Uh, good to have you back here. Glad to be back on. It's uh, It's been fun. I'm starting to get things picked back up. Basketball's around the corner, football uh, winding down a little bit, so I'm, I'm starting to shift uh, my gear a little bit internally. So, All right. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, so let's get right into this. Uh, Kai, I guess you'll start us off with some uh, tennis on the flyover. Absolutely. So different from previous weeks, we will not be starting with soccer because we'll be spending a little bit more time on soccer later on in the episode. Um, But yeah, we can start with tennis. The men's team was inactive this past week, but the A-Sun did reveal the 2024 spring schedules. Um, And for us, it was highlighted by a road match at North Florida on March 17th to open the season. Uh, The women's team was active. Uh, They sent four players to the ITA regionals down in Gainesville, Florida. Um, And the results were very hard to find because Kennesaw State has not posted updates. But after doing some digging, I can confirm that Emma... Braniokova um, made it to the singles quarterfinal round uh, to compete in a match that is yet to be scheduled according to ITA themselves. So as far as we know, that has not happened yet. And the last update was uh, on the 22nd. So that's a little bit up in the air. As soon as we get confirmation, we'll get that to you. Um, but moving on to golf, the, the women's group um, is in the middle of the Rainbow Wahine Invitational as we record. And as of October 24th, which was the last posted update, the Owls sit in ninth overall while Naya Kelly continues her excellent season, sitting third overall after going even on a 72 whole round so far. Hopefully we'll have that full update for you um, all on the next episode. The men's group actually stayed home to host the Pine Tree Intercollegiate uh, at the Pine Tree Country Club in Kennesaw this week and won the tournament, their third tournament win of the year. As a team, the Owls went 14 under par, um, which was 850, led by Sean Cook, who had the best individual performance of the tournament, going 11 under par, um, which was 205. The men will conclude their fall season this week uh, with a showing at the Steelwood Collegiate um, at Steelwood College at on the 28th and 29th of October. That's all I got for golf and tennis. John, why don't you run us through volleyball? Yeah, uh, so KSU Volleyball uh, split two road contests this past weekend, losing to Lipscomb 1-3 and beating uh, Austin P 3-0. Uh, the Owls played without uh, McKinley Ferguson, Claire Parsons, and again, Laney Van Treese. So I'm not sure what happened to Parsons. Uh, Ferguson was out last weekend as well. Van Treese was out a while. Uh, Keith Shunzel after the game one loss to Lipscomb. Uh, we got a lot of young kids on the floor right now who are doing a lot of good things, and I'm proud of them because there's quite a bit more on their plate than what was originally planned. Tomorrow night is now a massive game for us in a lot of ways. We need to regroup and figure out a way to play in a complete match on the road and earn a road win after game two, which was a win, a much-needed road win for our team. Our group definitely needs some time to reset and refresh and get in a good place to make a run in the last three weeks heading into the conference tournament. Uh, The next uh, games are this weekend against uh, JU and North Florida at home. Um, We also have a commit. Um, Would you believe it? We have a women's golf commit. Uh, It would be, I believe it's 2025. Don't quote me on that. Uh, At Flagstick is reporting Natasha Corman of Burlington, Ontario has committed. And she would be the third Canadian on the Owls team with uh, Naya Kelly and Alessandra uh, Nagayo. Um, And swinging it back over, we actually have some really interesting stuff coming on the soccer department this week, Kai. Yeah, so this has been going back and forth from our uh, errors and omissions segment for about a week now. 
Um, but just to start with the game itself, uh, the girls concluded their regular season with a three to one road victory over Queens at Queens in Charlotte to clinch a spot in the ASUN tournament. Uh, Macy Rainwater finally got on the board with her first goal of the season to put the Owls up in the first half. And then Isla Swinton and Agata Gianni scored the two second half goals. Uh, we would let in one goal, uh, I think around the 60th minute, but would hang on to win. Three to one. Swinton would be named a Sun Player of the Week after her goal and assistant assist on Saturday. Um, and coming up tomorrow or today, as of the posting of this podcast, uh, the Owls will play seventh seed Austin P in the opening round of the ASUN tournament in Florence, Alabama. Um, and in their only previous meeting this year, KSU and Austin P played to a zero zero draw in Clarksville. Now, there was some confusion surrounding the eligibility of Kennesaw State for the ASUN tournament this year. Um, and I don't mean they were suspended or anything, but going into it, we were sitting at 10th in the standings. If you want to go back and listen to what the situation was, you can go back and listen to last week's episode. But we were sitting at 10th. Only the top eight teams make the ASUN tournament. Um, so it appeared that what we needed to qualify was a win against Queens and a Florida Gulf Coast win over Stetson and then a Jacksonville win over north florida so the good news is both of those things happened so regardless of how it works it does not matter that all being said the official asun standings on their official website have ksu at the eighth seat now the ninth seed which was north florida sits at 11 points while we sit at 12 points for those unfamiliar with how soccer standings work it is first done by points which three points um is received from a win and one point is received from a tie and then if the points are equal at the end of the season it is not tie broken by head-to-head matchups but rather goal differential um we had an equal dif- goal differential to austin p and a worst goal differential to queens um and match them in points and then Uh, North Florida was one point behind us, so we thought that with a North Florida win, um, we would be eliminated. However, the ASUN official Twitter account put out that we had, in fact, qualified before uh, North Florida had uh, lost their game. Or Stetson, I believe. Stetson lost their game. Um, So we thought they jumped the gun. Um, As of right now, we're sitting at sixth. It's a really confusing situation. Uh, The only thing I can resort to think of is that we won both tiebreakers over Queens and Austin P because we had one more away win than they did. But to be honest, I don't entirely know. And I have been researching this tirelessly for days now, and I haven't found an answer. Um, Good news is we are, you know, in sixth place. And that was the best case scenario heading into last weekend. So uh, no complaints here. So the ASUN account, by my understanding, the ASUN soccer account uh, tweeted out that we made the tournament before the final nightcap game with was like Stetson and FGCU took place Correct. when that may have jumped the gun when, you know, it turned out the way it needed to turn out was beneficial for us and didn't matter anyway. But if that game went the other way, Kai, is it possible that they, the A-Sun soccer website could have put us in the tournament uh, on Twitter before it actually happened? So that is what I thought, right? But the A-Sun tournament has us as the sixth seed with us having the tiebreaker over both austin p and queens now the official a sun standings have us in eighth place not sixth place eighth place what the hell is going on here i don't know whose fault it is somebody's doing something wrong um and i'm glad that we ended up on top of it all but uh something's fishy is going on Uh, i initially jumped to blame ksu administration for jumping the gun i later learned that it had nothing to do with them and this was all the a sun um, maybe the ASUN didn't jump the gun and the playoff bracket is flawless and correct, but you know, then their website is incorrect. So it's, something's wrong somewhere. Um, but like we both said, uh, things are as good as they could possibly be for the women's soccer team. So yes, that's what counts, but I, I'm blaming funky European soccer math. Um, that's what I'm going to put the blame on. Football's so, better. Just, uh, <laughs> break ties with head to head games. <laughs> There you go. Easy there fix. You go. With the win over Queens, it would have been totally justified. But yeah, uh, that all being said, we do play Austin P in Florence, Alabama. Uh, tournament's being hosted by UNA. Um, and if we win that, we will advance to the next round, which I believe takes place over the weekend. So um, girls could use your support if you want to drive out there or watch uh, on Thursday night. But clean slate. We'll see where they can get. Absolutely, man. And that's probably the most soccer talk we've done combined all year. So, uh, you know, good to hear that uh, we've made the tournaments, like you said, clean slate, nothing in the past matters. I don't, you know, all those zero zero ties and lack of goal scoring. 
you know what, if you can catch fire now, you know, you know, an 83 game team, 83, 84 win team can make the world series. You know, it's, it's possible. You just got to get it at the right time. Right. Absolutely. Um, with that all being said, I think that wraps up our flyover. If we want to start getting into football. Yeah, I got, uh, I watched the Brian Bohannon presser. Um, I don't know if you saw on my Twitter this week, I did the John GPT trying to predict what coach Bohannon would say in the press conference. I think I give myself like a solid B minus on that one. You know, I hit some points that Bo talked about, um, but you know, these press conferences for, you know, me and Kai, we watch them every week. It's kind of like, you know, just going through the motions, trying to get the information that we need and pick them out. We know, you know, we know Coach Bo is not never going to give us too much, but um, we did get some good nuggets. Um, you know, the biggest takeaway is that Davis Bryson will be starting at QB this week, which I think I I, I clamored for for quite a while. Um, it has nothing to do with Jonathan Murphy's performance. Um, it's everything to do with, you know, Lincoln is not good. And let's give Bryson some time to grow, learn and, you know, learn how to prepare as a starter. Um, it was also asked of Coach Bo how the game got scheduled. Uh, long story short is that both teams needed games. Um, you know, Lincoln doesn't even have a home stadium. They play everything on the road. They're basically like the Carver Bible of football. They are, uh, they're mercenaries, um, all that kind of stuff. So, um, then Bo said that we are still banged up on the offensive line. Um, Rob Brown got hurt during the bye week of running back. So I'm thinking he would have played more, um, you know, had he not gotten hurt. Uh, he mentioned that due to complete players completing their allowed four games, younger players got extended practice time during the past few weeks. And we'd see some guys we haven't seen yet, uh, mostly on defense, just because of the circumstances. Um, some guys that Bo specifically mentioned who we might see um, all the following are freshmen, by the way, uh, defensive back Hugh Billingsley of Central High School in Phoenix, Alabama, DB Markel Redding of West Florida High School, linebacker Trey Hargrove of Ware County High School in Waycross, um, linebacker Amir Scarver of South Paulding High School, defensive lineman C.J. Donaldson of Metter High School in Metter, Georgia, Ramonte Darty of Dublin High School in Dublin, Georgia, uh, defensive lineman uh, A.J. Miller of South Point High School in Rock Creek, South Carolina, defensive lineman Jalen Jarrett of Pike Road High School in Pike Road, Alabama. And finally, defensive back uh, Therese Hamilton of Dutchtown High School in Stockbridge. Uh, I know that's a lot of names, but you'll probably hear them a lot the next three weeks. So I wanted to make sure we said them and uh, got them a little bit of pub. Um, he said we might see a couple younger guys on the O-line as well. I imagine he's talking about Caleb May, but he never said a name. And he also mentioned that Jacob Ulrich will work in as punter as well and not by, you know, necessity, just, I think, to give him some work. So that's what I have for the press conference. I know Kai uh, put in some time today, this week, um, previewing Lincoln and has some good notes. Yeah, uh, I'll get to Lincoln in a second. I do want to comment. Um, it's pretty incredible how uh, the quarterback situation is gone because a few weeks ago we talked about, you know, dream scenario, you know, just let Bryson play against Lincoln, you know, and then let Murphy start on senior day against Lynchburg. And it's kind of lining up like that's going to happen. Um, so it sounds like somebody out there is listening. Um, and, you know, we, uh, we love and respect everybody in the department and want to thank them for li listening. So, you know, it must thank be pretty Coach too. Bo. Thanks coach Bo for listening. Absolutely. Listening to John uh, to set his lineup anyways. Um, so, We've kind of beaten uh, the horse enough with the Lincoln game as a concept. Uh, obviously, these two teams don't belong on the same field. Um, as John said, they are essentially mercenaries. They don't have a home field. They play all road games. They uh, are not NCAA or NAIA currently. Uh, they do plan on trying to make the jump up to NCAA Division II, if I read that correctly a few weeks ago. Um, but as of right now, they are completely independent. They play all road games, don't pay their staff, don't pay their AD. Their AD is their coach. Um, but we've talked about all this to no end before. Um, so let's talk about the team itself. Um, so this year, they're 0-9, including an 0-6 record to Division One opponents, all of those opponents being FCS opponents. Um, but their best showings have been a 41-20 loss to Cal Poly of the Big Sky Conference. I think they sit second or third to last in that conference. And then a 45-18 loss to Southern University of the SWAC, who's actually, I think, second or third um, in their SWAC division. So that one's a little bit more respectable. Um, TJ Goodwin has been QB1 for the Oaklanders all year. That is their nickname. They shorten it to Oaks on their jerseys. Um, he has a season high of 144 passing yards. Um, he accomplished that in the Cal Poly game. 
Uh, he's also a former D1 quarterback at both Mississippi Valley State, uh, Jerry Rice University, for those who don't know, and uh, the University of Texas El Paso, uh, a.k.a. UTEP, the Miners. Um, over his career as a Division I QB, uh, Goodwin has gone 6 of 30 passing for 32 yards, no touchdowns or interceptions. Um, and then one of the more interesting storylines is their leading rusher is a kid named Otis Weah, who some diehard FCS fans might actually remember. Um, he's broken the 100-yard mark one time this season, happened against Cal Poly, um, and he is a former FCS All-American at North Dakota, uh, who at one point had plans of transferring to Missouri State before his scholarship offer was revoked by the school due to an ongoing sexual assault um, investigation in North Dakota. Um, we're not going to get too deep into that situation, but it's really weird, and if it's a rabbit hole that you know you want to go into, it's all available online. So uh, there you have it. And then their two top pass catchers are a wide receiver by the name of Shimon uh, Genius, who uh, was formerly of the Division II program, Northwood University, where he had, I think, 138 yards and two touchdowns over his career there. And then Tariq Phillips, who was a two-star coming out of high school, had offers from Maryland and I think Kentucky and a handful of other FBS programs. Um, he played two seasons for Eastern Illinois in 2018 and 2019, way back in the day. Um, and from what I can tell, is the only player on the Lincoln roster to have scored a touchdown at the Division One level. So, um, like we've said a million times, uh, this game won't be close. It'll be a glorified scrimmage. Uh, we'll get to see Bryson play. Uh, we'll sell some tickets, have a good time, and then go the hell home. So that's I, all I got. I don't, I, I don't want you to jinx it, Kai, because, you know, losing by 20 points is probably not the worst thing in the world. And, you know, we haven't played great this year. Um, I think we should easily handle them. But, you know, with the way we played this year, you know, my confidence is at an all time low. Uh, but right. yes, we should roll them. Um, and, you know, they you know, there's probably a reason that everybody on Lincoln is playing for Lincoln right now. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, you know, Charleston Southern is not jinx proof and Tennessee Tech isn't jinx proof. I think Lincoln is the closest thing jinx proof. Um, I won't, you know, try my hardest to screw us over. But look, it's a bad look enough to play this game. Um, I can't imagine uh, how bad of a look it would be to lose this game. So um, I don't think there's any reason it should happen. I think we'll come out motivated because, you know, I know that thoughts in the back of Bo's mind, like, okay, if we lose this game, you know, things all hell might break loose. So um, I feel pretty confident in predicting yeah. an Owls win by at least 40. Wow. That's that, that is actually quite a prediction um, because I think, you know, once we get to a certain point, you know, we're going to, you know, take out anybody who has any kind of experience whatsoever once we get to like probably that, you know, three, four touchdown mark. So that is quite the prediction. I, again, I have no idea. Um, I'll say owls by uh, 24. Um, but uh, there is one more thing that I wanted to touch on here. Um, big boy. Um, big boy. Go for it, Kai. I know you got some news there. Absolutely. I mean, I was going to let you break it, but um, yeah, big boy, half of the greatest hip hop group of all time. Um, outcast will be performing at halftime and will hopefully sell plenty of tickets for us so definitely a reason to go and i'm not saying that sarcastically um i actually think it was a great get by the department um i, I think it's awesome so can't wait well the owls will the owls and lincoln will be opening for big boy how much well, more money how much more money would we need to bring in andre and get an outcast reunion going on that's what i want to know i don't think anybody has that kind of money john i think it would have happened by now <laughs> uh, well you know it is that's priceless it is. right there um that's all we have for football this week um i do know that uh you know kai got a chance to go to media day uh the other day and actually got to ask some questions to uh coach petway terrell burden and simeon coddle he posted the audio on uh twitter x or whatever the hell you want to call it um you know kai what were your uh takeaways um uh, from those interviews and your experience there uh, first of all, it's good to have another, you know, nice, charismatic uh, coach um, leading the men's basketball team. Petway is a great dude. Um, very, very embracing, you know, shook everybody's hand. Um, great presence. Uh, like uh, like John said, the full interviews are up on Twitter. I think the number one takeaway that I had, and I posted this on Twitter as well, um, was that Adam Akoya and Simeon Cottle are confirmed to have increased roles going into this year. Adam Akoya is not that big of a surprise. It's something we kind of all figured um, way, way back when Youngblood, Jason, or Youngblood, uh, Jennings, and Stroud all left. We're like, okay, so by default, Adam Akoya is kind of going to be thrown at that starting role. Uh, Cottle is a bit of a surprise because of 
how, um, you know, crowded that backcourt is uh, going into the year. And it's good to see him get that respect because I think Cottle was a highly underrated player for us last year um, and one of our bravest players. So I'm glad that he's going to be, um, you know, playing more and we'll hopefully get to see him produce more. Yeah. So. You have to take the training wheels off, guys, of Simeon. You can't coddle him. You know what I mean? <laughs> Great one. But, yeah, I mean, the it was the expectation, it seemed, all last year that Coddle was just getting his reps because he was going to be the guy after Burden. Now Burden's back, and, you know, the pressure's a little bit off Coddle, but you still think that he's kind of the next in line and he's got the experience, and uh, he's shown it. Um, so good for him. Um, I'm really excited to see this team play. Still guard-heavy. Um, no, no true centers on the team. Uh, we'll see if we transition away from that in the coming years, but – a lot of uncertainties, but I think uh, I think the vibe is generally positive around the program. I'd say Jamon Robinson is a pretty true center um, based, you know, for college. Um, you know, he's mid-major center. Sure. Yeah, mid-major center. Absolutely. Like seven footer. I don't think so. But yeah, um, I put it on Twitter this week. You know, Cottle, you know, is, was fearless last year in the tournament. He's an underrated shooter. You saw it at the Owls Madness event. Um, you know, he's very well-rounded. I think he's got a good head on his shoulders, tough, all that kind of stuff. And um, by the way, Nick, I saw you give me the thumbs down for that uh, dad joke here on, on camera, but I know you were smiling and subtly appreciating it. So I'm giving myself a thumbs up. Um, so now he's giving me two thumbs down. But you know what? That's a great joke. And somebody here is going to use that on Twitter this year. Just wait for it. <laughs> Just wait till we uh, make a joke about Terrell's burden. Oh, oh, yes. Terrell so much burden. potential. Yes, we're doing it here on the Owl Chat podcast. But yes, you mentioned a lot of small guards. I'm not even mentioning, you know, Chase Clemens, um, RJ Johnson, who's not a small guard, but is probably right. more of like a, you know, a point guard these days. He's not a great shooter yet. Um, right. So I'm very interested to see the rotation. But, you know, you can't take the ball out of you, know, you can't bench Terrell Burden. You know, he's got to get his 30 minutes. I probably don't want him playing as much, you know, 35 to 40, to be honest with you, if we can help it. Right. I want to keep him healthy because he is small. He does take a beating. Right. Um, so, you know, it's good to have that depth that'll right. keep him fresh and keep him uh, running running strong. Right. No, it's a luxury because last year Cottle was somewhat unproven and I think he impressed us all, but you kind of felt like to win games, Terrell had to be in there 35 minutes a game and Cottle would get his one or two, you know, shifts, I guess you could say in the first and second half. But now that you have that depth of guard, you can experiment more. Um, and you also have, you know, returning seniority. Uh, Cottle's no longer a freshman. You know, he's got experience um, and you can trust him a lot more. And what I'm starting to pick up from Petway is that he's going to lean heavily um, in favor of seniority rather than, you know, throwing out the the flashy four-star RJ Johnson, you know, you know, first week of the season, just see what he can do. You're going to let the young guys, you know, grow and learn and just work with what you have because you still have Robinson and Burden who are all conference level players and you still got a chance to do something with this core. So um, I'm really optimistic about this season. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, there's, there's plenty of time for, um, you know, the young players to get out there and slowly get their feet wet. We don't need to rush to put him in. Oh, we got a four star. Let's show everybody who we got. No, you know, or, you know, earn it. Maybe something that we can do towards the very start of the basketball season. I think we should try to project the minutes, the starting minutes that we see in the first few games and try to do that on a week to week basis. But even some of like the subtleness in some of the comments that he's thrown out there hint that it's going to be a heavy rotation so I'm like, I think it's going to be just like a whole mix of guys. Like, obviously, the, the bulk of the time is going to go to the guys who are returning and who have seniority. But I think we're going to see a lot of these guys rotating in. RJ, Frank Juan, like all of these, this this new class that was just brought right. in. I was just going to say, I think it's going to be interesting first week of the season to contrast um, the Oakwood game. You know, first game of the year, we play a non-D1 team and then go right into Florida State who's a major conference team who's been down for the last couple of years. That's a game we have a chance to win. Um, so we're going to go in there, you know, guns a blazing, um, putting our best foot forward. So I think contrasting uh, the game where we can be a little bit more experimental on opening night with the game where we're punching up and trying to win is going to be fascinating. Um, obviously, nothing's going to remain consistent. We might see a completely different rotation, you know, uh, November 11th and, you know, March 1st. So it's all up in the air right now. 
Yeah. And, you know, we might, we might see something totally different, you know, from game one to game two. And it's like that every year, you know, you have the, uh, you, you play the, the crap school, no offense. Um, and then you move on to the, uh, the high major is usually like the first real game of the year. And, you know, I, I just, I don't like that. It's kind of the first game. I wish we could play Florida state, you know, the second or third game that we can, you know, capture, you know, a little bit of, get a little bit of experience under our belts here before we have a chance to do the upset. So sure. Well, game one, we're going to be hanging the banner. Um, so I'm hearing, so it'll be all about that and then go right to, the former buzzsaw that is FSU and uh, Leonard Williams. So now I know they already got the rings. The team got the rings, but is is the majority of the team planning to come back for the banner ceremony as well? I like, highly doubt that. They got their own stuff to take care of. It's too close <laughs> to the season. Yeah, no. Uh, I assume they're probably going to be playing that night too. Um, yeah. Also, no confirmation on the banner ceremony. These are just rumors that I've heard. You know, in passing okay. conversations. Um, opening night uh i think it would be a shame not to have one um they better hang a banner at some point or i would be very disappointed um and whoever made that call because that's <laughs> you know something you don't get a whole lot of chances to do yeah definitely um and you know that brings up you know the next note um, we have a secret scrimmage i believe this saturday against chattanooga um so we'll have to see how that goes um you know, there Jeff Goodman has not posted a scrimmage list this year, so I actually had to work. You know, I actually had to work to get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully, we do well. Um, Chattanooga did. I heard Chattanooga did pretty good uh, against uh, Eastern Kentucky uh, last weekend. Uh, they beat them. So you know, if that says anything, uh, right. Eastern Kentucky's predicted to win our league. Right. And it's a it's a scrimmage. So we're not going to read into it and preview it like we would a normal game. But uh, Chattanooga is picked to finish top five in uh, the SoCon. And I want to say they made a run all the way to the title game in their tournament last year. So uh, it'll be a good run for us. Um, I hope it'll be an even level of competition and kind of get us warm to the season. Yeah. And we don't know who's going to play and who's not, um, because that's kind of what I'm going to kind of come in with next on our next subject. Um, you know, we had some players that didn't play in Owl Madness and whether it's holding them out just to, you know, stay fresh or whatnot. Um, we, we just we don't know what's going on in these secret scrimmages. So, you know, it could be multiple guys out for both teams, you know. Right. Absolutely. And uh, you mentioned Owl Madness. I was not there. I had to work, unfortunately. Felt like I missed out. Um, but, John, I know you were there and I know, Nick, you were definitely there. Um, so <laughs> I want to hear. uh y'all's perspectives on what you thought of the event as a whole and you know maybe what your takeaways were from a basketball standpoint so well first off owl madness like the name just makes me think of like some disease i get from being bitten with an owl that has rabies like you know like just the syndrome like i got owl madness um but i went there uh last week uh for the men's and women's basketball preseason event titled owl madness i prefer flight night what they called it like a million years ago um i think i was the only person there who went for uh business and not for fun i really just was sitting i went alone just to take notes on my phone to be able to update you guys on the podcast so while everybody else all the students were having fun I was taking notes, trying to count how many threes people hit on both sides of the court at the same time on a three-point contest. I was driving myself crazy. Uh, But anyways, uh, some notes. Terrell Burden was in a boot, so he was out. I don't think it's serious, so don't worry. Um, Walk on Delaney Hurd, who, you know, I still think he could get some time this year. He was on a scooter with his foot and leg in a cast. So, you know, I'm not too as optimistic about that one. I don't know about that one, but doesn't seem great. Uh, Marcus Whitlock and Armani Harris uh, were not dressed out. Um, and Jason Holt had a wrap on his shooting hand and only participated for a few minutes in the scrimmage. So that might be some kind of hand or finger injury. doesn't seem too severe. Um, so the night started with a three-point shooting contest. There were three racks, one from the top and two on each side in the corner with five balls apiece, three rounds. In the first round, it was uh, Lily Willis of the girls beating uh, Carly Hooks approximately five to three. Uh, then Sophia Rappel beat uh, Laura Tafali eight to seven. Um, Rappel won in a tiebreaker uh, do or die shot. Um, Simeon Cottle uh, beat Quincy Adamakoya approximately seven or eight to three. Rangi, Rangi Gordon uh, beat Demond Robinson um, in a low scoring affair. 
um, in the semifinals, um, very nice semifinals. Lily Willis had six and Sophia Rupel had nine. Um, Simeon Cottle had 11 and Ranji Gordon had five. Um, and then in the uh, finals, Simeon Cottle beat Sophia Rupel nine to seven. So, uh, you know, that was, uh, I don't, you know, Nick was there. Um, I was very impressed. You know, I knew Cottle could do this, but it was great to see. And uh, Sophia Rappel, the uh, new freshman for the women's basketball team, she shot the lights out. I was very impressed with her there. Um, you know, I'm going to keep an eye on her. Um, what were your impressions, Nick? Same as you. Um, I, I was extremely impressed with Rupel because she took uh, she took Simi to the brink when they went head to head at the end there. And uh, and I, I like, I mean, if it wasn't for Simi on hitting eleven shots in the end, I don't know if he wins it. Like he was hitting everything, and I know that there were a bunch of different balls that were mixed in. So I'm not going to say that maybe he shot a few of the the basketballs that were under the size, but it's definitely a possibility. But um, it just got me excited for both of them shooting, honestly, because um, obviously we got to see some of the flashes of, uh, of Simi do it last year, both in the regular season. And then uh, he got a few of those shots off, I believe, uh, in our single game in the tournament. But um, definitely excited to see Rupel how much playing time uh, she's going to see early on because she is a shooter. Yeah. And I don't know what else about the team. Yeah, I don't know what else Rappel can do, but, you know, just by seeing her shoot, like, you got to keep her on the floor. Like, unless just she's a total liability on defense or something like that, like, you know, you have to keep that shooting on the floor. And 5'8 five, five, is a pretty decent size for a guard. I, like, I I think she could – I'm curious to see what her defense looks like if it if it if uh, if it's similar to her shooting prowess. And her ball handling as well. Definitely yeah. want to see that. Um, but, you know, I, I don't put too much stock when people don't do well, like Adam McCoya, because, you know, it's an unnatural motion going to the side. Some people take more time than others. Some people feel pressed like they gave people probably like 15 more seconds than they needed to complete all the shots. So, you know. Also, and if I had to guess, I would assume that some of those players wanted to be there more than others. Just to guess, just throwing that out there, you know. Um, but I did want to mention uh, Delaney Hurd because you brought him up. And as of media day, he was still on a scooter. So I just want to throw that out there. But in an official KSU press release, this is what they said about Hurd. Um, senior Delaney Hurd will be a walk-on for KSU this season, but it is expected that to be in regular game rotation for the Owls and will have two years of eligibility for the black and gold. So that's about as much confirmation as we're going to get uh, that Hurd is going to be a regular rotational player, which is going to be – an interesting thing to watch um, with him not being on scholarship. Can we call him Scooter? Um, we'll start it right here. See if it catches on. Scooter Heard. Um, yeah, let's make that catch on, guys. Um, nice ring to it. I, I like it. Isn't Scooter one of the Muppet babies? No idea. No, <laughs> not, not, not my kind of reference this time, John. Yeah, you know, that's a that's a random one. But um, we have some more information here. Um, for the second event, it was a game of knockout. Uh, between Chase Clemens, EJ Holland, uh, from the girls' team, Taylor Cullinan, and uh, Kiara Berry. Uh, they played with four students, with the student winner getting a $100 gift card or whatnot. Um, one of the players got knocked out by a student. Um, I won't say which one, because I'm a very nice person. Um, you know, Nick, what did you think about that one? Some of the students were were, were shooting really good shots. Uh, Jordan... Um who was the final contestant. She won the hundred dollar gift card to the bookstore. And uh, I want to say she was about 50% on her shots. I, I mean, she was knocking down just about everything. And then if it wasn't hit, she was quick rebound, get it back up there. So if we had kept going, I would have been curious to see uh, how long she would have stayed in, but we kind of stopped the contest once she was the last one in and they made it through a few more rotations. Yeah. But, I wish they let it keep going and she did hit a three and everything. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I will say basketball definitely does these uh, student giveaways and competitions better than football does. <laughs> it's just having these like free throw contests and such, rather than sending some poor girl out to kick a 45 yard field goal for 10 grand <laughs> when, you know, Connor Cummins hits or misses from 45, you know, like an hour before. <laughs> so, you know, you guys do a great job. Uh, so the next event was a shooting stars competition. Um, basically it's a thing you get on all-star NBA all-star weekend. Um, you have, you know, two, three people on each team, you hit the layup, hit the free throw, hit the three, and then you just 
chug it from half court until somebody makes it. Um, the teams were Prentice Harden, Matt Brown, and the student versus Charles Stone, Morgan Dillard, and a student. Uh, the students uh, had to shoot the layup. The girls hit the free throws. The guys hit the threes. Um, Matt Brown and uh, Prentice Harden, they hit their first shots. So they got to midcourt to start chucking uh, pretty quickly. Um, you know, Charles Stone and Dillard, I think Dillard may have missed one. Stone missed a couple threes. So they got slow, uh, but they eventually got to midcourt um, to start chucking. Um, you know, you, you kind of think, oh, man, Harden and Brown are hitting everything. They're going to win. But it wasn't so. Um, Charles Stone had an easier time making the half court shot than he did hitting the three. And he hit the half court shot. Um, then he moved. Then he ran into like the entrance to the tunnel to the locker room um, in like walk off fashion. He was going that dude is going crazy. Like if you've seen hey. his gif, he's hype. Hey, shout out Chuck Stone. That's a friend of the podcast. He'll be a guest in three years. Love that guy. <laughs> yes, yes. I know his his dad's uh his dad's a somewhat regular listener too. So yes, and it sounds like Petway calls him Chuck as well because Petway was doing a bunch of uh, you know announcing. I forget the word uh, while people were playing in the scrimmage. So he is known as Chuck. Big Chuck, absolutely. It was really funny because I was trying to do color the the whole time that that was going on. And I was focused on once they started the one minute clock is once they started doing the half court shot. So I was focused on the right group. And then all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye, just look over and see stone, just chuck it up. And I was like, Oh, that, that actually looks really good. Oh. And then <laughs> everything just was a blur after that. I'm like, Oh, okay. I don't know where he went. Uh, let's find him. But it, it was, that, that was, that was really awesome. When you're, when you're doing something like that, Nick, is it, like you're you got to focus more on just saying the right thing or rather than actually process what's going on yes and no like I, I think I'm, I've kind of conditioned my brain to just like filter out all the things that I would typically say in a situation like that right. probably uh more expl expletives than not but <laughs> um, PR mode exactly I, oh 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 Chuck Stone oh my gosh <laughs> For those of you who don't know, um, Nick was the MC of the uh, Owls Madness event. So he was the guy directing it, narrating it, telling everyone what's coming up next, doing all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, sorry you all had to listen to my voice if you were at the event. but um... That's what you get paid to do, man. You got to get a voice of gold. <laughs> I appreciate it. But it was, no, that that was an awesome shot. And it was really fun talking to him after the fact that he's just like, he's like I just, I was just sending him up there. We'll see what happens. And he's like, and that one just looked good from the start. And he's like, he, I, he, he told me he actually wanted to run. He ran to the opposite side from the tunnel. He ran to the backside tunnel and there's a cut through under there. And he was going to try to run all the way under and then shoot back out on the other side. But he's like, he's like, I think people would have wondered if I had gone missing. Cause it would have taken an extra few seconds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think people awesome. would have been, I would have liked to see that. I think people would have figured it out eventually, <laughs> but um, eventually. Yeah, we, won't, we won't put out an Amber Alert for Charles Stone just yet. Um, so uh, after that, they did uh, women's basketball did some drills. Uh, they called the Laker drills. It's kind of like a modified scrimmage type drill. Um, Coach Blue was emceeing the whole thing. Uh, the funniest moment was probably when uh, Kiara Berry missed the three so badly that Coach went, whoa, uh, right in the middle of it on the megaphone or whatnot. Um <laughs> Prentice Harden uh, had a nice uh, one-footer from mid-range. Lily Willis hit a reverse layup. Rappel hit another three. You know, nothing too much of note there. Uh, what was your uh, take on that, Nick? I was more focused on the uh, the Coach Blue commentary, the color commentary that she was doing, um, because I was trying to regroup and reset my uh, my throat because I was starting to lose my voice a little bit, and I knew we still had uh, – still had the uh the dunk contest left at that point so i was trying to reset so i was just listening to coach blue and uh checking in with the the, the marketing table before i went back out dare yeah, i say called... another friend of the podcast coach octavia blue yes <laughs> uh, she calls apparently a listener yes apparently a listener so thank you coach blue and she calls um kiara berry rock mart so uh i guess we have another nickname here uh because i guess that's where she went to high school i assume so it was so much fun listening to her do that like it, it <laughs> i feel like it made it so much more fun like 
if we had an opportunity to do like an actual scrimmage and have her on like a broadcast with Nolan, like I think that would just be like such an entertaining thing to just listen to. <laughs> I, I, just, I mean, I wish they would try, though. You know, I wish I would want to see something where they if they actually tried, it would be super entertaining. Maybe that's something that the uh, the marketing office should do. They should they should do like highlights from the season at the end of the year and then have the coaches do the call of whatever it was or something like that. That would be fun. That just is ever, good. Have her hop on the broadcast table like right after they win in the game before the men's, you know, hopefully she's in a good mood. <laughs> Why not? You know, now if they steal it, you know, that's an idea from the Owl Chat podcast. So uh, now, they, <laughs> now they can't either have to, they can't use it or they have to give us credit. So I can't no. remember. I can't remember how much she's getting paid, but we might as well get our money's worth with her contract, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, why not? I, I kind of like that though, you know, just kind of dub over the broadcasting from the actual game and just go crazy on it. Why not? Um, that'd be a good like social media piece to like put on the account. Sure. Um, and then after that, uh, we did the dunk contest. Uh, it was Jamel King versus RJ Johnson versus Frank Juan Sherman versus Charles Stone versus Demond Robinson. And before I get into the details, I have to ask, Demond Robinson was, quote, a surprise entrant. Was that just spur of the moment? He's just like, I want to do this, Nick? 100%. He was not on my list ahead of time. And Coach Petway was like, oh, we got one more. We got one more. And I'm like, all right, Coach. <laughs> And then he's like, he's like, he's like, Demond. I'm like, oh, all right, here we go. I, I wanted to see it because I was like, why isn't he doing this when, he, when they first announced it? So, um, but from my perspective, uh, Jamel King had the best dunk of the night. Um, you know, he got a perfect score from the three judges who, I don't know, a bunch of, I think it was like Tamika, a bunch of professors or randos. I'm not sure they've ever watched basketball in their life, to be honest, by uh, some of the scores they gave. But I digress. Um, I stopped keeping track of the scores. Um, what was your favorite dunk of the night, Nick? You know, as much as I was trying to pay attention to the dunks, I was trying to focus on keeping the path for the judges clear and yes. doing mental math in my head. So I, I saw the dunks and I'm like, oh, let's look at the replay. And meanwhile, like I'm trying to look at what they're writing down to do the math ahead of time to, to figure out what the score was. So I didn't even really get to see too many of them. I got to see Demons, the one that he did. That one was like a, he ended up getting that one behind the back with like a 180 spin on it. That one was cool. Uh, Jamel's was really good too. And uh, did RJ have one that was? Did he do the one handed one? Good, I think RJ had one. I think Sherman had a pretty good one. I don't remember. They all one. got one off, and that was that. That was the best part of it. Was everyone ended up getting uh, the dunk in one of their two slots early on? So uh, it was definitely entertaining. Yeah, and you know. Two of them, I think, like you said, one of them never got the dunk off in each round. So, you know, it it kind of, uh, it wasn't it wasn't the best dunk contest, but it was fun for what it was. Um, I'd say the highlight was probably uh, Frank Juan Sherman's uh, dunk. I think in the finals, he tried to, he lined up Cole LaRue to try and dunk over him. Um, so he, he winded up, he ran, dunked on, dunked over LaRue. He didn't quite make it. So he, he's going to his next attempt. I think he gets like one dunk or 30 seconds or whatnot. So then EJ Holland, the shortest player in the team, who's probably like five, six at best pulls, pulls LaRue away and says, I got this bro. And steps into where LaRue was standing. So <laughs> instead of dunking over six, nine, he dunks over five, six. Then Matt Brown, another player comes in, stands back to front with uh, EJ Holland. So then Sherman tries to dunk over Holland and Brown together. Um, he also does not succeed. Um, and he almost busted his ass on that one. Um, that would have been a great way to get a medical red shirt, um, to be honest with you. Um, what did you think about that one, Nick? I immediately turned to Coach Petway and, and it was like, everyone's like, oh, 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 so like, oh, okay. So I think we're going to tone down the contest for the rest of the time so we don't have to worry about any injuries. But uh, I liked for what he was going, uh, but I'm, I'm happy he didn't get hurt. But that, that definitely could have taken a, uh, a turn the other way there for a second. So I'm glad it all kind of worked out. Yeah, and I appreciated EJ's uh, EJ's comedy. Him and uh, Shocker, the the bench brigade, probably adding some levity and some comedy to the team. So that's why they get the gifts, and nobody else does. Um, so, you know, I, I, who ended up winning? Was it uh, Sherman or Robinson? Robinson ended up winning. 
Okay. Probably he probably paid the judges because he's a senior or something like that. <laughs> um, but you know, they both had they both had pretty good dunks. Uh and we got to see the freshman uh Sherman's, you know, athleticism, which was pretty cool. And Robinson too. Um, so the final leg of the event was a 10-minute scrimmage that probably lasted like five minutes. It made the NBA All-Star game seem like game seven of the NBA finals in terms of competition. Um, it was, everybody was just bullshitting back and forth. Uh, Cole LaRue, I think hit a half court three in the scrimmage. Um, Stone and LaRue missed back-to-back dunks, which reminded me of a, uh, Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson vehicle from 1992, um, that I won't go into. Um, at the end of the scrimmage, uh, it just devolved into absolute chaos. Uh, Chuck Stone hands a cheerleader the ball, hits like a three-foot layup jumper, and then they go the other way, and you know there's a employee or student um, who dribbled down, hits an 18 footer, and you know just in one try, and everybody just went crazy. And you no, know, forget 10 minutes. That was it. It was like five minutes. Send everyone home happy. Um, what did you make on that last part? Uh, that was the Cole Larue All Star Game right there. Um, <laughs> he he banged home that logo three, and I was just like, oh. Okay. And then I was like, I'm like, I don't know if I have to see anything else the rest of the game. And Petway even called it out. I was prepared to do uh the announcing for that scrimmage and he was just going, he was just doing everything. He's like, three. And I'm just like, all right, coach, get after it. So it, no, that was <laughs> that was that was really fun. Um between that and then uh yeah, the the hit the antics between uh him and Chuck doing the dunks. I that was it like I it was they were just having fun out there. It was a family event at the end of the day. Yeah. And that was the only time we saw Jason Holt. Um, it was, it's actually kind of crazy because I missed the LaRue three that we just talked about. I only knew that because of you, Nick. I, like I said, I was taking notes and I stupidly was trying to take notes on the scrimmage and, and it just <laughs> evolved into absolute nothing. So I missed the best shot. It was a glorious shot. I, I loved watching it. <laughs> so was it like literally legit half court? He had just passed over the half court line. He was at like, so I believe if the KS is facing that, so he was like at the top right part of the KS logo and just pulled up, put it up, and it went right in. It's, 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 I think it's all downhill from here. I think Cole has to retire. No, no, (laughs) no. He's going to hit a few of those this year. I got a good feeling. Is that so he's, so now he's our throw in specialist on long balls and our half court shot specialist. Um, between him and Chuck. <laughs> yeah, put Chuck out there to guard an inbound. That'll go great. I mean, that's the perfect. No, no, I mean, I mean the half-court shot guy. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, mean, I know. Just wanted to throw be, that out there. Let's be fair. Like, if your name is Chuck, that's the perfect name to hit a half-court shot, right? This is very true. Absolutely. I wanted to go back, uh, John, and uh, ask you, are you afraid to say that white men can't jump? Because it sounds like that was your number one takeaway. It's true. I was implying it, but that was my number one takeaway. You know, Cole LaRue and uh, Charles Stone, you know, I'm sure they heard a bunch of that in the locker room, but, uh, you know, somebody had to say it. For the record, Charles Stone is not 6'2". I love you, Chuck, but you're not 6'2". <laughs> and, you know, Cole LaRue, I don't know if you're 6'9". You might be 6'8". I- I'm just bullshitting. I have no <laughs> idea. But somebody measure this man. Um, I think LaRue is accurate because uh, LaRue looks taller than Robinson when they're standing next to each other. Um Stone and Holland, though, they're uh, they're getting a boost. But that's what you get for being walk-ons, you know? No scholarship, but you get two extra inches on your uh, on your height. So, As somebody who's not tall myself, um, I could use these uh, E.J. Holland rules right here. So, <laughs> you know, I'm going to, you know, in all my uh, my driver's license, everything like that, I'm, I'm bumping myself up two inches because I'm just going to imagine myself wearing, like, platform shoes or something and, you know, include that. <laughs> There you go. All right. We don't have a ton of time left, but um, if you got nothing else to add no, on I, uh, Al Madness. No, I, I, I think everything's good. We got uh, we got a little bit of time, but we want to finish up here. And, uh, you know, I just want to say, you know, as far as the event goes, um, you know, sitting in an hour to make the event and go through rush hour traffic from where I live. Uh, is it worth it? Probably not. Am I glad I went? Absolutely. I had a fun time. Um, you know, the drive back was much nicer. Uh, but, you know, going on to some finally some baseball, um, Perfect Game published a list of their top 200 college draft prospects for 2024. And an owl made the list. 
Uh, Blake Ida, who's actually only a sophomore, but is draft eligible because I think he had a gap year. Um, he's number 167 on the list. So he gained some exposure from competing in the Cape Cod League. So congratulations to Blake. He's one to watch this year due to his high spin rates and, uh, you know, hitting low to mid 90s uh, fastball. So, again, we might see him in the rotation or at worst, probably a high leverage reliever. Um, and also Kennesaw State Baseball got a commitment from uh, 6'2", 180 right-handed pitcher uh, Sawyer Wilson of Cartersville High School. Um, I caught up with uh, Sawyer's coach, Kyle Tucker, to get his thoughts. Uh, we discussed uh, Sawyer, of course. We discussed uh, also Owls freshman Caden Carroll, who we saw in the Georgia Tech scrimmage, uh, went to Cartersville as well. Uh, coach Tucker told me some very interesting facts about uh, Mr. Carroll. So it was very informative for anybody who wants to stick around. We'll uh, roll the tape right now. I am here today with Kyle Tucker, head baseball coach at Cartersville High School, who I assume is having a better day than the other possibly more well-known Kyle Tucker of the Houston Astros. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for joining me, coach. Hey, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, uh, it's funny you mentioned that tough, tough night for the Astros and the other Kyle Tucker. Um, I, I work some events for Perfect Game with some youths, 11, 12-year-olds, and when they see my name on the event program, they think that they're meeting the real Kyle Tucker, and they find out that I'm about seven inches shorter and not him. They get disappointed. But ah, uh, come on, um, have some confidence. Yeah. You are the real Kyle Tucker. He's the impo he's the imposter. You were you were yes, born sir. first, right? So that's right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So he's the fake man. So I'm gonna go with that and run with that. But for all of you guys who don't know. Uh, Coach Tucker is a graduate of Cartersville High School, where he currently coaches. He got actually got a letter at Clemson as a punter. Uh, go figure. In his uh, five full seasons as head baseball coach, the Hurricanes of Cartersville have compiled an overall record of 158 and 44. Uh, he won four region championships, reached the state finals twice, the state quarterfinals three times, and was named the Georgia Dugout Club 4A State Coach of the Year in 2018 and 2022 and Region Coach of the Year in 2019 and 2020. But uh, enough about Coach Tucker. He's here to discuss uh, 2024 prospect Sawyer Wilson, who just committed to the Owls baseball program this past week, I believe, as a pitcher. I think he's around uh, 6'2", 180. Uh, before we get into Sawyer, uh, there's some uh, notable players I just want to touch on that came through Cartersville. Uh, Kendall Hawkins and Scott Hendricks came to mind. Uh, any others that were missing, Coach? Jonathan, I'd throw in there, too, uh, a young man named Colin Bennett. Um Colin Bennett played. He was on the, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the 2014 Kennesaw team that went to a Super yeah. Regional. Was it 2014 or 2015? Yeah, something like that. Colin was a strong kid. I think he came from a JUCO. Um, he did. He didn't go. Yeah, he didn't go straight to Kennesaw um, out of out of high school. Scott Hendricks, you mentioned. Um, I would have. In, again, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he went to Kennesaw before the the move was made to Division One, or had it already been made at that point? I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, it was right on the uh, right on the border. I think about 03 to 06. So maybe he got in one D1 season, but it was definitely close. And he was he was quite the player. Yeah, he he's one of the best players in Cardinal history. Uh, we we've won six state championships since 2001, and he was a very very prominent player on that 2001 team at Cardinal, and actually hit a, a walk off home run that that uh, won the state championship. So, um, you know, his, he's, his name's certainly big in Cartersville history. That's awesome. And two things the Owl Chat podcast loves to do, loves to pay respect to our former players and also our local programs that hopefully feed us players. So, um, but so again, thanks for joining me. Um, you know, I just kind of want to discuss uh, Sawyer Wilson, who com uh, committed last week. Kind of just give me the rundown on Sawyer. You know, who is he as a person? What drives him? Um, you know, what positions does he play in high school? Where do you see him at KSU? Uh, Sawyer's a great young man. Very excited. that He's uh, committed to Kennesaw and, and going to come down there and be an owl. Uh, Sawyer's a strike thrower. and he, he is just a pitcher. He's not a hitter anymore in his baseball career, and that's okay. Um, great young man. He's very quiet. Good student. Great family. Um, and then, you know, I, I mentioned he, he really kind of lives off his off-speed pitches. His off-speed is really good. It's very deceptive. It's very hard to pick up. And then uh, he's gained some velocity on his fastball, and it's just going to continue to go up. He's now up in the upper 80s. Um, and that's just with how good his off-speed is and change-up, he brings that fastball behind that. 88 all of a sudden looks 91, 92. 
And I think as he continues to progress in the weight room and get stronger, uh, that velocity is just going to get more and more. But, um, you know, he's he's I don't want to I don't want to throw around the name Greg Maddox, but it's that type of picture where he has to live off his control. He may not throw it the hardest, but man, people have a hard time hitting off of him. Got it. So he's he's a pretty much a two pitch pitcher at this point. Uh, I'd say he's three pitch. He's three pitch. Got a good, you know, probably, you know, slider, curve, whatever you want to call it, change up fastball. All right. Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, something I found interesting, you know, I know you said he's not really hitting anymore or playing the field. He, I noticed on his perfect game, he's a switch hitter. So he must be, uh, you know, have a lot of coordination athleticism uh, to pull that off. Uh, he, he is a, he is a good athlete. He, he is. And now I'm going, I'm going to get on him because I, I wonder how old that PG profile is. It says he's a switch hitter. Um, I'm going to have to ask him about hitting because I know he's not hitting for his travel team and, and hasn't hit for us probably since, since his freshman year, but, Sawyer's been one that, you know, in ninth grade, he was probably the best pitcher in the ninth grade. In the 10th grade, he was the best pitcher for the 10th grade. Uh, came up with a varsity on us as, uh, with us as a 10th grader. Uh, and then last year, you know, started some games for us and had a lot of success against some really good teams. One game that sticks out, he, he started a game over in uh, Hoover, Alabama, a perfect game tournament uh, against Coleman, Alabama, who was a top, top 10 program, 6A over there in Alabama, um, has won numerous state championships and, Sawyer started against them, and we were we were hoping to get three or four innings out of him. Um, it was early in the year, and really didn't want to extend his pitch count. But man, he was pitching a contact, and he was pitching so well. Went six full innings, one run, like four hits, got the win. Um, and that was when we were like, kind of like, man, that, that really kind of put him on the map uh, for us. So, uh, and, and his best days are still ahead of him. Perfect. And that kind of brings me to our next question: Was he heavily recruited? How long has KSU been on him? Um, Sawyer was not now, and I will say this. So a lot of the fall recruiting is a little different in baseball than it is, uh, in other high school sports in that, you know, the high school coach, a lot of times is not as involved maybe as a football coach is, um, now springtime recruiting and some summer recruiting. Yes. But, you know, I, I really wasn't, I, you know, there were some other schools I knew Sawyer was kind of in contact with and Sawyer's quiet. Um, he doesn't talk a lot. Now, the team tells me when the coaches are gone, they can't get him to shut up. But when the coaches are around, he's a quiet young man and kind of keeps to himself. And it's it's funny. He's been in my class as a student uh, since the beginning of the school year. Um, so I keep up with him. We see each other daily. But he'd really not mentioned anything about Kennesaw State. And then all of a sudden he texts me. He said, Coach, just committed to Kennesaw. And, I mean, I was – floored I was excited I was jumping through the roof for him um so um he he's patient and it's uh you know a, a testament that hey you keep you keep performing you keep doing you know what you need to do you'll you'll get seen he's had a really big fall uh went down to Fort Myers and I'm sure was seen down there and uh at a big tournament and when you perform in those type of tournaments that generally ends up boding well for you in your recruitment Awesome. And so I know you're a Clemson alum. Um, you didn't play baseball, correct? You were a punter? I was a punter at Clemson, yes. Um, I actually did work for the baseball team after I graduated in the sports information office, which is um, ironic because the SI, I call it SID, but the communications director for Kennesaw Baseball is Michael Goss, a uh, Cartersville grad who I coached. Um, and he's now um, the uh, baseball SID for Kennesaw. Yes, so we got a lot of Cartersville connections at the program. And there's a name you need to know, uh, Kennesaw fans need to know, Caden Carroll, who is on the Kennesaw roster right now as a freshman pitcher, um, graduated Cartersville uh, a year ago. And I've been at Cartersville, uh, this will be my 18th year on the coaching staff, uh, you know, sixth, seventh as a head coach, but I was an assistant for 11 years, played here for four years. And Caden Carroll is the best pitcher that I have ever seen at Cardinal High School, and he is now a Kennesaw Owl. And I know we're talking about Sawyer, so we're sending you another great. Player. Oh, let's talk about Caden. I mean, I I totally blanked my mind. Like I was going back, like trying to brainstorm when I got Scott Hendricks and Kendall Hawkins. I totally Kaden, forgot about Caden. Caden uh, just finished his career. Um, he pitched in 28 games in his career at Cartersville, and we lost zero of them. We never lost a game in which he pitched. Now he did not get the decision in all of them, but I think he finished his career. Uh, with a 23 and 0 record as a pitcher at Cartersville, um, he struck out 17 in a game this past March against Calhoun, uh, top five matchup. 
Um, huge game. He went complete game. We won uh, two to one, set the school record for strikeouts in a game with 17. Um, unbelievable curveball, like big league type curveball. I saw it against um, Georgia Tech at the scrimmage. It was great. He pitched he, a scoreless inning. He texted me and said he got the save, I guess, in that game as out of, out of the bullpen. Um, so, yeah, in the here and now, um, Caden Carroll, uh, man, I'm I'm excited to see his career because I, I think he's like a draftable type of player, and I think he is just gonna he's gonna be an asset to the Kennesaw staff right away. He's he's we we've had numerous you know pitchers. We've had Mason Barnett go to Auburn. He just you know was drafted by the Royals and was the Royals um, you know minor league pitcher of the summer. Um, you know, we can go back in time and name pitcher after pitcher after pitcher. Caden Carroll is the best one I've ever seen at Cartersville. Um, and he works hard and cares about it. And so uh, that's a name to, to, to keep uh, in mind down there uh, for the 24 season for the yeah, Wasn't Caden committed to Middle Tennessee State for a bit and then decommitted? Caden was committed to Middle Tennessee, correct. He decommitted. Um, Georgia Southern had shown some interest. Caden is one. Caden had to miss his sophomore season for a forearm injury, not an elbow, nothing serious or anything like that. Had a small forearm injury, had to miss his sophomore year, um, got back at the end of his sophomore year, had a great summer. So he got on the map late for a lot of college coaches. And so um, I believe he could pitch anywhere. And he went on his visit to Kennesaw, loved it, loved the pitching coach, and uh, committed. And uh, apparently, man, he's loving it. And what I've talked to him has really enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, man, it's uh, I'm, I'm excited about his career. Uh, me too. Uh, we have a lot of good young pitchers. And, you know, I just, you know, final question or two here. Um, what are your thoughts on the new staff? Um, you know, Coach Sansing was such a, a mainstay, um, you know, but the new staff seems to have really ratcheted up their recruiting, building up the connections. What have you kind of seen on the new staff compared to maybe years past? Is there a difference? Are you seeing them more often? Um, so college baseball recruiting is, like I said, it's different than football. The college coaches can't get to us as much. Some of that's the recruiting calendar by the NCAA. But a lot of it is when we're playing, they're playing. You know, when we're playing on a Tuesday, the colleges are playing Tuesday night games. But I will say this about the Kennesaw State staff. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I think they have hit the ground running recruiting. I think recruiting is on the uptick, and you know that's the most important. That's the lifeblood of any college program in any sport is recruiting, uh, talent acquisition. Everyone that I've talked to, high school coaches, college coaches, raves about the staff. Um, they love the staff that has brought their, there's there's coaching background, there's scouting background in the staff. So you've got guys that have been scouts. You've got guys that have – a lot of coaching background, um, and know what winning baseball looks like. They know what talent looks like, and uh, I think Kennesaw is just going to keep getting better and better uh, in baseball. So big time, um, you know, just pumped about the staff, and like I said, everyone that I've talked to, I've, I've not heard anything negative. And in the baseball world, if it's negative, people will be honest and say, hey, I don't, I don't really like this staff. Nothing like that's been said about Kennesaw. Um, you know, being a Clemson alum, I'm sure you love to send your uh, players to uh, Clemson. But aside from that, you got to have a, you know, a soft spot in your heart for Kennesaw State being from the area and it being so local. You know, what is, you know, do you love to send your kids to Kennesaw? Is that something that you you kind of hope to see? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I did. I went to Clemson and I mean, you know, that's that's where my heart is. But a lot of respect for Kennesaw. Uh, my wife graduated from Kennesaw and ironically, uh, our first daughter was born on April 25th. When our daughter was born, Clemson and Kennesaw were playing in baseball. So my alma mater and her alma mater were actually playing a baseball game when our daughter was born, which I thought was really cool. That's um, great. Who won? It was. Do I want to know? Uh, <laughs> I, I think it was the game in Clemson, and I think Clemson won. And all reason I know is uh, Michael Goss, you know, it, it said the Kennesaw, uh, you know, athletics communication director for baseball was texting me. Uh, my guy that's at Clemson was taking care of golf and they had met up and they were having a good time. And he was texting me and talking about how much he enjoyed the stadium, got to see the campus and all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, would I love players to go to Clemson? Sure. But I mean, by no means am I trying to steer any, you know, of our players to Clemson. I'd love for them to go to Clemson. I mean, of course, but I, you know, any 
college our, our young men can go to. Like I said, we've had guys go to Auburn. We've got three committed to Georgia. we got a Kentucky commit. we got an Alabama commit this year. Um, but the, the baseball tradition at Kennesaw, you can play big-time Division One baseball 15 miles from Cartersville. So it's a great place for our guys to go to Kennesaw. Excited for Sawyer to go there. Excited for Caden, like I said earlier. Um, and you're getting another great Cartersville pitcher in Sawyer coming down there, which obviously will be for the 25 season. Perfect. And just uh, finishing up here, um, who are some players that perhaps are not committed right now in, uh, you know, 24, 25, 26, or maybe beyond that KSU should have their eye on? A uh, young man named Tristan McKibben um, is, a, is a hitter that's getting some love. Uh, we've got a young man named Cole Crawford that's only going to be a freshman. That's one of the higher rated players in, in really the whole country. Um, we've got a young man named Nate Russell, who's the quarterback for the uh, football Hurricanes on Friday nights, but he's also a pitcher, only be a sophomore. Uh, he hit 91 miles per hour this summer in the tournament, so we're excited about him. Uh, he'll start getting some baseball looks. Logan Shrewsbury is a pitcher that'll get some Division One looks. So we, we've got a chance to have some more guys recruited uh, coming up. So another another strong year expected at Cartersville. Uh, we hope so. That's that's the goal every year. We we like I said, we've got some some college committed guys. Sawyer being one of them. So we're gonna work hard to do our best and uh, hopefully win another state championship for Cartersville. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you joining me on the Owl Chat podcast today, Coach. And I w- hopefully uh, we'll have you back sometime. And if not, uh, good luck this season. All right. Same to you. And uh, good luck to you and all those Cartersville guys down there. Thanks so much. Take all care. Right, thank you. All right, that was our interview with um, Coach Kyle Tucker of uh, Cartersville High School. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, which, you know, do you guys have any take on uh, the Sawyer Wilson commitment or anything baseball-wise? Um, there's a clear Cartersville KSU pipeline. Uh, you know, love staying local. Um, think we should emphasize that more than we already do. So uh, excited to have Sawyer on campus next year. Yeah, and, you know, I always – you know, you probably heard in the interview, but I love how Cartersville's uh, baseball coach, uh, Kyle Tucker, uh, got a letter as a punter at Clemson and not in baseball. So, uh, you know, I I don't know how that happens. It's not a Kyle Tucker interview. I'm not going to ask him, but my God, that's that's pretty awesome. Um, you know, he was definitely uh, definitely an entertaining interview. I enjoyed meeting him and doing that. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, that's everything I think that we have. Um, you have anything else, Kyle or Nick? Uh, I just want to throw out, uh, stay tuned. We've got some stuff coming for you on Big Owl Blog as far as basketball season goes. Um, we'll be on there to recap the Lincoln game after it happens, as well as uh, some position previews and opponent previews for basketball. So stay tuned. Follow me on Twitter there at Big Owl Blog and, you know, be putting out as much content as possible for you guys. Yes, but, uh, that's please, all I got. Yeah, please follow Kai. Big Owl Blog. It's pretty awesome stuff. Um, you know, I recommend changing the name to big old owl blog but uh, for certain reasons uh kai would not uh, take that change uh kai does all the uh you know all the work on that and some guest writers like ethan uh contributes to that site i play you know i play no part in the big owl blog but i like to support my friend's work um and uh yeah thank you guys for listening and uh, for uh, nick uh, our producer and kai hope you guys have a great rest of the week Thank you for tuning in to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter at KSU Owl Howl and at Big Owl Blog. You can also view additional content on BigOwlBlog.com. And be sure to join the online community of Owl fans at KSUOwlHowl.com slash forum. Until our hosts return, stay happy, stay healthy, And as always, go Owls!